Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. What happened if you say what you want to say? This is one of those shows where your words are going to fall out honestly, and sometimes the pain and the darkness of our past, those words just need to come out for healing. And today is a tough topic. My name is Suge Burry, him for her radio, Women's Hot Topics, and today's hot topic affects many women in this world. The topic today is on abortion, and we have two wonderful people on with us. I've got a wonderful co-host, um, Beverly Canaris. We have Nancy Piercy, who's the author of a recently released book called Love Thy Body. And thank you, ladies, for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's a privilege. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Let me tell you, listeners, a little bit of something about Beverly. Uh, Bev Canaris is a wife, a mother, a grandmother of many. How many grandkids do you have, Bev? Ten. Ten. Oh, my gosh. You're so, I, I remember when you had zero. I know. So blessed. So blessed. She uh, was a teaching leader for the Bible Study Fellowship for 30 years. She is a, a sought-after speaker teacher and mentor to many, including myself. She is my personal mentor. Bev's life purpose is to teach the Bible and to share the gospel of Christ in order to raise up Christian leaders to serve in the church. She is a powerful woman. Welcome on board, Bev. I'm so glad you're here with us. I'm so glad to be here, Shug. And this is a topic we need to be equipped with. We, mm-hmm. we don't really know how to answer what we really believe and why we should believe it. So this is going to help us mm-hmm. to express our views and to understand fully about this issue. So it's an important an important session. I agree. And ladies, if you're out there and maybe you're contemplating, thinking about having an abortion, or maybe you've had an abortion, this is the show. It's going to be in two parts. So I encourage you to listen to both parts. There's so much content. There's so much information. And you know what, ladies? You might be surprised what you hear today. Bev, would you please introduce our guest? I would love to. Nancy Piercy is the author of the recently released book, Love Thy Body, Answering Hard Questions About Life and Sexuality. Highly recommend. Her earlier books include The Soul of Science, Saving Leonardo, Finding Truth, and two ECPA Gold Medallion Award winners. How Now Shall We Live, co-authored with Harold Fickett and Chuck Colson, and also Total Truth, Another excellent um, book by Nancy. Her books have been translated into eight languages. She's a professor, a scholar in residence at Houston Baptist University. Um, Nancy is a former agnostic, but has spoken at universities such as Princeton, Stanford, USC, Dartmouth. She was also highlighted as one of the five top women apologists by Christianity Today and has been hailed in The Economist as America's preeminent evangelical Protestant female intellectual. That's quite a mantle you wear, Nancy. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Well, let's start with why you wrote your latest book. What is your overall thesis for your book, Love Thy Body, Answering Hard Questions About Life and Sexuality? Well, I really wanted to counter the negative stereotypes that many people have of Christian ethics and, and of Christians, because I think so many people think Christians are 
are people who say it's a sin, don't do it, it's wrong, and there's something wrong with you. That negative message is what many people hear from Christians and from churches, and even in the churches. I speak to many Christians who feel like that's the message they've gotten, and it's just not, it's not really the way the Bible presents it. The Bible presents the, the Christian ethic as something positive, is based on the high view of human dignity, is you're important, you have value, and especially in the topics that I cover in the book, um, abortion, homosexuality, transgenderism, and so on, they all have to do with your body. And so in particular, I wanted to help people to see that Christianity has a high view of the body. Um, Here's how I often put it. People aren't even asking anymore, is Christianity true? They're asking, why are Christians such bigots? Mm. And so my goal is to help people see that uh, we need to debunk that negative stereotype and show that the Bible is based on a high view of human dignity. Mm-hmm. You know what I love about you? You do such a good job, Nancy, of researching. I'm talking about thoroughly researching every topic that you speak on. You bring in so many different perspectives for us to listen, to read, to understand, so that we can make a good decision after reading it. And, you know, you talk in your book about the two-story Cartesian dualism. What does that mean? And then in your chapter on the joy of death, how does that reflect the Cartesian dualism? Right. Um, yeah, most people don't go around talking about Cartesian dualism. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, a familiar concept. But what it really just means is that there's been a divide. In, in Western thought, there's been a divide between the body and the person or the self. And it, it might be easiest if I just jump in with abortion as an example. Please do, yeah. Um, most bioethicists, professional bioethicists today, agree that life begins at conception. That's a surprise to most people. Most people think um, that maybe that, um, for the secular person, life doesn't begin at conception, or life begins sometime later, um, and that's why abortion's okay. But in fact, the professional bioethicists are they're scientists, they know better. There's too much evidence from genetics and DNA that human life begins at conception. Read any embryology textbook, and it's very clear. So how do they get around that then in order to support abortion? Well, what they say is merely being human is not enough to qualify for legal protection or for having any kind of moral status. The fetus has to earn the right to life Mm. by becoming a person. And that's usually defined as some level of mental abilities, uh, self-awareness, cognitive functioning, and so on. So what they're really saying is you can be human from conception, but you don't become a person until sometime later. It's only after you've developed these uh, qualities of personhood that it's appropriate to maybe put limits on abortion. So what, what they're saying is, uh, this is this is the Cartesian dualism, to give it that phrase. Um, sure. The, the dualism is that um, philosophers sometimes picture dualism with the metaphor of two stories in a building. And in the lowest story is what we know by science. And that's where we put your body, your physiology, your genetics, anything we know by science. And then they have an upper story where they put 
the, the things that you can't really know scientifically. You can't put the spirit or the soul or the self or the moral sense. You can't put that uh, into a test tube. You know, you can't study that under a microscope. So that's things that we cannot know scientifically. And that's where uh, when abortion is defended by saying you're human at one point, that's what we know scientifically. But you're not a person until you develop these sort of transcendent mental abilities that we can't really know scientifically. Um, that that really gives a, raises a big question to me, Nancy. Who is it that's going to decide, and how is it decided, who is human but doesn't have personhood? Or what are the um, hard lines when you cross either you're a person or you're just flesh? Who, do, who gets to decide exactly. that? Exactly. Exactly. And that is the most obvious question. Once you say you're not, you have no moral status, you don't have any legal protection until you become a person, well, if you can't know that scientifically, how do we know it? How do we define it? When does it start? And actually, bioethicists totally disagree because it is subjective then. They can't, they can't agree on when it begins. So some bioethicists will say the fetus becomes a person sometime, sometime before birth. But today there are bioethicists will say, no, no, you don't become a person until after birth. Uh, the two scientists who discovered DNA, Crick and Watson, have both come out saying that we should give a child three days, a, a newborn, three days of genetic testing before deciding it's a person. The idea being that some genetic, genetic defects don't show up until after birth. And Peter Singer, who's a bioethicist at Princeton University, says even three years of age is a gray area. So the lesson is that when the concept of personhood is separated from biology, it becomes completely arbitrary. There are, there are no objective criteria, and every bioethicist draws a line at a different place, depending on their own private views and values. Nancy, I'm just shocked, and it just breaks my heart. I've been studying this. I've been reading your chapters. Um, I'm just so impressed with the knowledge that you have as well as the research that you've done to give us a holistic type of thinking so we can understand all angles of this. Ladies, if you're just listening, my name is Shug Burry. This is Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. And the hot topic today is abortion. That topic is hot because so many people have had abortions. In fact, as I was researching this, the Guttmacher Institute has claimed that 60 million people have had legal abortions, 60 million. I mean, to me, that's a genocide. That's people coming in and who's deciding what is the appropriate age? When can they die? When can they not die? Um, and if you are struggling with this topic, maybe you're thinking about having an abortion or maybe you've had an abortion and you need some counseling. I just want to encourage you as much as possible to seek help, to um, listen to this podcast, listen to this radio show and Wait until you've heard both shows before you make any decisions. You know, I'm going to encourage you in that. You can find us online as well at himforherministries.org, H-I-M number four, herministries.org. And we are open to speak with you on this topic as well. We've got two great guests on the show with us, Bev Canaris and Nancy Piercy, who wrote Love Thy Body. Now, Nancy, I want to jump right into that chapter um, that we, where you do talk about abortion, where you were interviewed on national public radio, 
And you talk about how the producer interviewed you about your views and subjects, including abortion. And you talked about where pro-choice position is exclusive and pro-life position is inclusive. And in today's world, everybody's talking about what's inclusive and what's exclusive. Can you share a little bit about what you felt on that topic? Right. I was interviewed to be a guest on an NPR program in San Francisco. So for starters, I thought that might be a somewhat challenging audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and before the show, the producer interviewed me about my views on various subjects, including abortion. And he commented that men, most people think abortion is acceptable until the fetus becomes a person. And we just talked about how that's you know, a, a dualistic view of the, of the person because it's implying that you can be human at one point but not a person until sometime later. And so I tried to explain to him that that involves a very fragmented, fractured view of the human being you, to imply that you can be human but not a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially that's what, what it's saying is merely being human doesn't matter. It doesn't carry any moral weight it does not qualify for legal protection. The body is treated as essentially not part of who you are as a person. It's expendable. And I, had to, I tried to show him that that view assumes a very low view of the body, of being human, of our physical, biological nature. And I said, on the other hand, people who are opposed to abortion, it's because they don't think the body is expendable. They think the body is a and uh, the body and the person is an integrated unit. The body has intrinsic worth. The body shares in the worth and dignity of the whole human being. And so and the producer didn't have much to say to that. He'd never heard that <laughs> argument before. Yeah, you had him and stumped. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was, um, you know, even there I was using sort of liberal buzzwords like um, in- integrated and holistic. Mm-hmm as opposed to fractured. So then I I pulled out my other liberal buzzword, and I said the pro-choice position is exclusive because what it's saying is that some people don't measure up. They don't make the cut. They don't qualify for the rights of personhood. And I said the pro-life position is inclusive because if you're a member of the human race, you're in. Mm -hmm. As long as you're human, you have the dignity and status of a full member of the moral community. The moral community is what ethicists, um, that's what they, when they say moral community, that means the people that we are morally accountable, yes. that we should care about. Yes. So, the, by the way, the um, producer contacted me a few days later and said my interview had been canceled. Mm, not surprising. Uh, no. You know, Nancy, so I've, I've, another interesting point in your book was um, about this uh, uh, pro-abortion defense um, really has a, a a threat to a free nation. You went back to the Constitution where you quoted that we have an inalienable rights endowed by our Creator and how that isn't true when we take up the philosophy of um, t- taking up abortion. Yes, um, I think people have sometimes not realized um the, the full implications of abortion is that um, if not all humans are legal persons, then who decides? What you were saying a moment ago. Who decides? Who decides who 
um, which which humans qualify as legal persons and should be defended and protected by law. Essentially, it ends up being whoever has the most power, and mm-hmm. that's the state. Mm-hmm. So the the real implication of the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion across all of the states, the real implication of that is you no longer have the right to life just because you're human. Mm-hmm. I mean, be, before that before that decision, you have the right to life just because you're human. That's all, and you're a member of the human race. And the state does not really create that right. It merely recognizes it. We call these pre-political rights. And what that means is the state doesn't invent them. The state merely recognizes them. And so the Declaration of Independence, which says you're endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights, was based on the notion that our rights come from the creator. They come from something higher than the state. Amen. And therefore, the state cannot destroy them. Well, with the, with the Roe v. Wade abortion decision basically said, no, you have rights not because you're human, but only if the state chooses to recognize them. Mm. Only if the state says you're a person. You know, you may be human, but that doesn't give you any human rights. That's the irony, right? You know, why does we this talk just... It just about human rights. Amen. But yes. being human is not enough anymore. No, it, it no. stirs me up a tad, to say the least. It's everything I can do to sit in my chair. I get so frustrated with this conversation. You know, God is really clear in Scripture, and you state this in your book as well, Nancy. But in Jeremiah one four to five, it says, "Before I formed you in the womb, guess what, ladies? I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart." And I tell you, God is really clear in Scripture how he feels about the birth, about the life, about the beginning. You know, Nancy, you talk in your book about how sparks happen when a sperm enters an egg. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? I love that. Nancy, I got to hear this. (laughs) This was fun. Um, Like you say, I did a lot of research. And when I ran into this, I said, "Okay, this has to go in the book. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, scientists recently discovered that when, um, when a sper- sperm meets an egg, there's an explosion of tiny sparks that erupts from the egg at the exact moment of conception. And they even were able to capture this on film, mm. uh, the, the little fireworks. And here's, here's a quote that from the researchers. They said, to see the zinc radiate out in a burst from each human egg was breathtaking. Wow. Like an explosion. Miraculous. Miraculous. Wow. That is amazing. You know, you look at the statistics, Nancy, and you talk about this in your book as well, uh, that there's hope for millennials. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. Most people don't realize this, but millennials are more pro-life than their parents, than their baby boomer parents. Studies have consistently found that voters under 30 are more pro-life, that about 51%, at least when I was writing the book, it was about 51% believe that abortion is morally wrong, compared to only 37% who say that it's morally acceptable. And this, uh, not to be misunderstood, it doesn't mean that millennials have grown more conservative generally. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I have a millennial son, and he said, I'm so glad you put that there, because um we're not conservative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not. But uh, it's because they do understand abortion as a human rights issue. They have grown up uh, in a world 
surrounded by ultrasound images. They're their siblings, their friends. They saw their ultrasound pictures. Mm-hmm. And so they have a, a, a natural sympathy for mm-hmm. their fetus in the womb that previous generations didn't have. They yeah. have a mental image. And, of course, they've also grown up in a more scientific culture where they've witnessed the, uh, the miracle of neonatal medicine where babies who are born extremely prematurely mm. can still survive. And so right. babies the same age as those who are being aborted down the street. Just the, the science, the science and the medical efforts now are do speak to this issue so clearly to this generation. I wanted to ask you one more question here before our time runs away from us. Those who endorse abortion will often defend it by pointing to how the child was conceived, whether it was rape or an affair. And I'm wondering if isn't that child then just become a, another victim of the whatever it was, um, violent or uh, unsanctioned by marriage, whatever it was. I, Nancy, am a child of an affair. Um, and I just found this out last summer. And so oh. because I was conceived outside of the marital bounds, my parents were in a very difficult point in their marriage. I just found my real father this summer. You know, does that make me then what, a bastard child? Or does or doesn't it matter that conception moment? A, a child shouldn't be the victim once again of something that wasn't good. Right. The most common exceptions that people raise are rape and incest. And I think the easiest and, and most persuasive answer to that is just to say, should, the, should a child be subject to capital punishment for the crime of the father? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And mm. mo- most people don't realize is that research shows that 75 to 80 percent of women who become pregnant after rape actually choose to keep their babies. They don't have abortions Praise because God. they recognize that abortion does not erase the trauma of rape that it actually compounds the trauma of yes. rape. So rape or incest or, um, like you said, an affair, the child should not be the one who's punished mm-hmm. for what the parents did wrong. Amen. And, you know, only about 5% um, statistics show are from that, are from rape or incest of people who get abortions. But the good news is, Nancy, as we look at the statistics uh, going back to 73, it has been cut in half, uh, the amount of people that are getting abortions today, which shows us that people are starting to understand and possibly value life even more over the generations. And I think that's the most important thing that we need to reach out and let women know that God has a plan for their life. You know, Jeremiah tells us, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, not only for you as a woman, but also for that precious child that you have conceived. Doesn't matter how that child was conceived, God has a plan for their life. Yes, he certainly does. And I'm so thankful that my mother chose to keep me. Mm-hmm. She could have located an abortion, but she didn't. My mother and father, just to follow up on the story, did get back together, and they raised me as their own child, but yet in my heart I knew there was it was not all that they were saying it was. So mm-hmm. um, the wonders of DNA kits now. Amen, yeah. amen. And we've got to wrap up this time. Nancy, hang on. We are going to tape part two, I'm sorry, a part two of this show. And um, Bev, would you do me a favor and pray us out, please? 
Heavenly Father, this is such a heavy topic here when we start talking about these young little innocent lives tucked deep in that womb, Lord. Mm -hmm. I would pray, Father, that you would use Nancy, you would use this interview to um, equip your saints, equip the people who know you to be able to speak the right defense for these defenseless ones in the womb. Lord, I would pray that you would continue to empower and bless and guide Nancy in her ministry to helping people see truth. And it's in Christ's name we've prayed. Amen. 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 Now, ladies, if you've been listening and you've got questions and you want to talk to somebody, there is a helpline. It's called Option Line, and it's with Heartbeat International. Would you please call their helpline? You can either text them at 313-131 or call them at 1-800-712-H-E-L-P. Help. one 800 712 help. I had called them and they were wonderful. I wanted to talk to them. Ladies, they're just waiting for you to call. This is Suge Burry, him for her radio, Women's Hot Topics. I love you. Over and out. <laughs>